Good evening, everybody. My name is Hero, and I am an alcoholic. Yeah. Grateful to be here. Grateful to be sober. One of my former grand sponsors once asked me on a Friday night at which our, our participation meeting, why is it that I stand up at the podium and make everyone feel really awkward for a minute? Um, and I, I explained to him, that's, that's just me powering up because you don't want to hear me on me. You want to hear me like channeling something. So that's what I was doing. I have a, I have a, a sobriety date. It's November 12, 2007. That is the day that a power greater than me that I didn't believe in, had no time for, was terrified of, was running away from, uh, that I knew uh, was after me and it would be bad if they caught up with me. Uh, actually, it wasn't bad at all. Um, separated me from King Alcohol and his little buddies. So I'm really grateful for that day. Um, this is my first time in Alcoholics Anonymous. That just, If this is not your first time in Alcoholics Anonymous, that does not make me better than you. That means I tried every other possible thing first. And, uh, and knew that uh, I still had the option to try to kill myself and maybe get it right this time. Um, and then I discovered you. Um, I have a sponsor, his name is Bob D. He's out in Vegas. If you ever end up with an out-of-state sponsor, you might end up doing the weird things that a guy like me has to do or gets to do, I suppose, uh, which is I write 11 step every night and I send it to him and he promises me that he might not read it, but God will get it. And, uh, uh, and I've, I've, uh, I've got a home group. It's the Bellflower Big Book Group. We're in, like this group is back at fighting strength. It looks like Tom was telling me about that earlier. And, and so is my home group on a Monday night. We're back at a, about, about 300 people in the room, about 125 on Zoom. Welcome everyone on Zoom. It's probably very confusing to see me because um, you have what probably appears to be a bald old Asian dude in a suit, which is not a hallucination. I am a bald old Asian dude in a suit. And, um, and, it's, and, uh, and it's important for you to know because, because I'm here in a suit, it, it might make you confused. It might make it seem like I'm a paid speaker for Alcoholics Anonymous. There is no such thing. Um, I, I, this, is my, this is really my AA drag. This is my AA cosplay. Um, my, home group, my home group basically, uh, has, a, has an ethic, has a culture of uh, uh, like suiting up for our birthdays and suiting up when we go out and speak and really to, to show people that no matter where we ended up when drinking, that, that uh, we can clean up and we can get far. And, uh, and that's my experience. Um, even though one of my sponsees, um, Connor, he was, we, after, after we prayed out um, one Monday night, uh, an, an, one of the old timers, Darwin, he turns over and he goes, hey, you know why your sponsor has you, has you wear a suit? And uh, Connor goes, well, to, to uh, pay respect to Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and, uh, and Darwin goes, yeah, that's a nice story, but really, it's the easiest thing your sponsor will ever have to ask you to do. And uh, Connor's like, well, that, that's probably true. Um, my job here is to tell you uh, what, what, what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like today. And if anything I say about Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't jibe with what your sponsor tells you, uh, if you have a sponsor, I want to I want to let you know that your sponsor is right and not me. I'm just going to hear, be here to tell you my experience about Alcoholics Anonymous and why I need it. And the reason I need it is that I'm really, really good at feeling bad. Like my feeling bad skills are stellar. I'm really good at thinking things like like psychiatrists and psychologists. They, they talk about like what creates depression and they, they like the cognitive one. They talk about you know the the cognitive triad of depression, which is a, a pervasive negative view of self, world, and future. You know, like I suck, you and the world sucks, and we're all going to suck forever, right? I'm good at that. I'm really good at anxiety. Um, I'm, 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 good at, I'm, I'm good at just feeling like I have to worry about everything. My anxiety is what, is what shrinky types call like free floating. So it'll attach to anything at all. And uh, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, the past few years have been a really good time for my mind to like wake me up at three in the morning going, hey, wake up, time to worry. And, uh, you know, and I'm just feeling, ah! The problem isn't that my mind actually does that. The problem is I, I follow my mind's directions 
And my mind is telling me weird stuff. Like it's telling me stuff like, hey, buddy, if you and me, here, okay, you, you and me, if we worry as hard as we freaking can, we can change the future together. <laughs> and uh, which, you know, sounds absurd in the light of day, but, uh, but I believe it. And, uh, you know, or, or, if, or if someone insults me, um, I, I didn't even, I didn't even take French until college, but you know, I knew, I knew this, I knew the, the meaning of this French term, pensée d'escalier, that those are the thoughts of the stairwell. Someone like insults you at some event, like mortifies you in front of like all the beautiful people. And then you're walking down the stairs away from the, away from the event and you're going, oh, this is what I should have said. I should have said this thing. I should have said that other thing. And next thing you know, I've got an entire menu of things I can tell people um, if, if that specific thing happens happens. Yeah, and, and because the idea about, about regrets and about thinking about the past is once again, if, if, I, if I think as much as I can about, about this resentment, about this thing in the past, this thing that was completely shameful, I'll be able to change the past, which is again, completely absurd. Except the weird thing is, here in Alcoholics Anonymous, we, we, Alcoholics Anonymous is about the absurd. It's making the absurd feasible. And the absurd is, it's, it's about making the impossible possible. Like, how is it possible that this alcoholic, where my solution is to take a drink, because a drink whew, quiets the madness, quiets the madness until it sets like kerosene onto the fire, until the madness absolutely grows and all my feeling bad skills, suddenly I have an entirely new menu of feeling bad skills that come along with alcohol and drugs. And, uh, and it's horrible because I'm, the, the very thing that I'm trying to treat gets worse by the treatment. And uh, oh, it's hideous. It's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I, I think I think this, this talk is going to turn into um, uh, the kind of son I was like and the kind of son um, I became once I discovered my favorite solution, alcohol. And, and then what happened? And then the, son, the kind of son I became. Because as the firstborn son of, 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 J, of Japanese parents, um, I was made in Japan and raised in the U.S. So I've got I'm really good at being entitled. I'm really good at feeling shame. So, you know, and I, and I do it in the wrong order. Like I act entitled first and I feel shameful afterward. And um, and one of the things I didn't realize I was so ashamed about was my parents. And as a teenager, I became so incredibly angry. And I didn't realize until I took my fifth step with a sponsor what I was really angry at them for. And I was angry at them really for a really unfair thing. I was, I was angry at them for being Japanese, basically. And I didn't know that because they were just weird, man. I mean, I, I, here I would be like, it, it's, it's in the seventies, right? And, and uh, like, you might get like, uh, we, we'd get our report cards and, and you'd get, I don't know, three, three A's and two B's and, and your parents are giving you a dollar each and $1974. That's a lot of money in 1974. And, uh, and, and I come home with like four A's and one B and my parents are all, what happened over here? And what, what, what the F is wrong with my parents? And I have no idea. I have no idea about this thing that I, I learned about that, that I figured out in Alcoholics Anonymous. My new experience is that with cultural divides, with generational divides, that there are these subtitles that I don't even know are there. If, even if I knew that these subtitles were there, I wouldn't be able to read them because I'm generationally and multiculturally illiterate. I have no idea. I just know that my parents are wrong and they're making me wrong and make me feel ashamed. And it doesn't feel good. What, what I realized now is that when they were saying, hey, uh, Hiroshi, that's my full name, Hiroshi, what, what happened here with the, with the B? That there are these subtitles I realized decades later and what the subtitles say is, Hiroshi, we love you so much. That's what the subtitles say. They're not saying that, but that's what the subtitles say. We love you so much. We wanna do what every single parent wants to do. We wanna give you a better life than we have. We wanna make sure that you never have to struggle in the ways that we had to struggle. We wanna make sure that you're able to have a leg up and be able to have a head start than we had. 
And the problem with that is that my, if you had kids and you may have succeeded at doing that with your kids, and if you've succeeded, you might have gotten the evidence that my parents got. They ended up with a son who is completely entitled, had no idea the kind of suffering and sacrifice that they put in. And I'm just like, where's mine? How come you're so freaking weird? And, and those subtitles continue to say things like, you know, we, we, we're, not good at, we're not good at the English. You're, you're, you're so much better at this culture. You're so much better at navigating the language. You've already far exceeded us. Um, and, but the only thing that we know that, that, that uh, we can do for you is to encourage you and your younger siblings schooling because academia is the only way that we know that, that, that people who, can, who look like us can excel in a country like this one. And I don't know that that's what they're saying. I'm just pissed at them. And, uh, and the thing about being pissed at your own parents is, uh, and, and if you're Japanese like me, then you end up saying stuff that's really harmful because I'm, I feel entitled. Like, like I have feelings and I should tell them what my feelings are. Like you, you don't even parent right. And what, is, what the F is wrong with you? Why can't you be like my friend's parents? And I hate you. And, uh, and, I, and I said really hateful, hurtful things to my parents, to my own mother. And uh, the thing is, not when I'm drinking, not when I'm drinking, because just like my friend Charlie C at the Pacific Group, he says, you know, I'm, you may have been Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Rogers, which is really true. And um, because if I'm drinking, everything's okay. Everything's all right. I'm like, I fit in. Nothing's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with me as long as I've got what I need. I didn't really understand what the craving was like until I ran out. And if I run out, oh man, get out of my way, get out of my, but, but weirdly, even, even in, in junior high, um, like, you know, I didn't, when I, when I was first introduced to a drink, <laughs> I, I had a little bowl haircut. I hadn't hit puberty yet. I was 12, you know, and, and my voice was starting to crack. So it was coming. And, um, and, and so after my, my, my buddy, Dave, who was already six, four, you know, in, in middle school with that, that almond brother hair part in the middle, like down to his ass, like the piercing blue wizard eyes and, and, and he shows, and he, he basically diagnoses me. He's like, no, I think you're anxious all the time. I'm like, oh, that's it. That's the word. And you know that thing that happens? Well, maybe it's happened to some of us. I, I know it's happened to me in Alcoholics Anonymous. Once I embrace and realize that alcoholic is, is both the, 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 the name of what, what I am and also points to the solution for how to have a good life for myself. Um, how, how, not to, how not to make my need for a drink or my need to fit in or my need to be right or my need to be understood or my need to be, be respected or my, my need to, uh, to, to just uh, to, to be heard or loved or liked, that these are just wants that actually I can, I can earn by being a good friend, a good son, a good sponsor, a good family member, a good worker. But this doesn't occur to me because I'm entitled. Like, this is mine. But my buddy Dave, he teaches me how to, how to drink and, uh, um, and, I, and I, I discover this, this answer. And this weird thing happens um, where, you know, in middle school, if you haven't hit puberty yet, no one's gonna sell booze to you. Um, but I can know on a Monday that I'm gonna be drinking on Friday. I can know that my buddy Marshall, his older brother um, is gonna be throwing a block party because their parents are out of state right now. And I know that on Friday in the 70s, 1977, for $1977, I'll be able to get one of those red cups and I'll be able to sit on, sit on that keg and I'll be able to get what I want, on, get what I need on Friday. That means on Monday, I am perfectly okay that I might have to run laps 
um, in PE, I'm perfectly okay that I might get bullied, you know, for having like comic books and uh, comic books in 1977 were not cool. It's not like Comic-Con today. It's, it's not like there was no Marvel Studios. Having like a DC Comics, EC Comics, uh, Marvel Comics um, and being discovered with that in your, in your locker room was a great way to get like, I don't know, pants or swirls. So that was not fun. So, um, and, and the weird thing is some of you may have been bullied in your life and, and uh, that's, that's not uncommon. But what is uncommon is some of you might have grown up to be the kind, of, the kind of teenager that I turned into be, which is a teenager that understands exactly how painful, mortifying and shameful and alienating being bullied is. And what's our solution? We become bullies. We become bullies. Whenever I talk out in the Inland Empire, like at the Upland Group or at the 502 Club, one of the things I always say is, hey, if you happen to be one of the people that I bullied, hey, um, you know, in my, in my inventory, I get to inventory all the people I was resentful at. I, was, I get to inventory all the, all, the, all the people I fear and the things I fear. I get to, I get to inventory my sex life. And, uh, but then my, my sponsor also had me in the fifth step. Some people, some sponsors do it in the eighth step. Um, list all the people that I've harmed because I harm people that I don't resent, that I'm not afraid of, and I don't want to or have had sex with. I, I mean, I just... I, I just, because if you're in the way or if you seem scary to me and, uh, and so, and I want, and I don't want to show it. I've learned how not, not to show being scared by high school. And um, man, um, I love alcohol because alcohol makes it so that, uh, you know, that thing, maybe this was you like coming to this meeting where you're just covered in self. And you just got, you like, I, I, like, I've got me all over me and I, I can't get away from me. Oh man, I smell like me. I taste like me and oh, I can't get away from me. And I, I'm rubbing up against myself, not in a good way. And it's just, it's just, just I can't, I, oh, I, I'm tired of me. And, um, and, and, and alcohol gets me off of me, gets me off of me until I'm all covered in me again, because I'm a puker. So, you know, I, I get that. I've got that, uh, that, that natural born anabuse in the body. I've got that, that, that Asian flush, right? I, I reach a level of alcohol toxicity. I'm, I'm a projectile vomiter. And um, so I always try to avoid that drink. And, uh, uh, you know, and I, and I loved alcohol and drugs. And, uh, but the, the problem was that at a certain point, um, the, the intolerability of my life and the intolerability and the tyranny of my own mind made it so that, um, I couldn't do this thing anymore. Age 16, handful of Valium, handful of liver, and bottle of Bacardi 151, and uh, drank it all down. I was so mad at my parents, I didn't even write a note. Um, I just, I was like, keep them guessing. And I drank, and, and, I, and this is, I calculated this so that if it crossed the blood-brain barrier, I'd be dead. But I forgot it was a puker, of course, and so uh, there was a cleanup <laughs> in my room on that shack carpet. And um, I, I don't come into AA, though. I don't. I don't come into Alcoholics Anonymous until the age of 42. And the reason why is, well, I don't think I'm an alcoholic because I, I can control and enjoy my drinking, except for when I hideously can't, like the, the puking. Because I, I can only really control it if I avoid, I think, if I just avoid that drink. That drink for me is if, I, if I'm projectile vomiting. For you, it might be breaking out in handcuffs. For you, it might be getting a DUI. For you, it might be when, when uh, you know, uh, Children Family Services comes, comes around to kind of check how you're parenting. Um, for you, oh, my sponsor gives this example, um, you know, I try to avoid the drink where I take it and I wake up the next morning and I'm lying next to it. And then I look into its eyes and I realize, oh, I am, it's it. <laughs> I don't like taking that drink either. And so basically I'm really good at not taking that drink except for when I hit it when, I, when, I'm, when I'm not, you know, and I have to accidentally take that drink. And, um, and I drink because it improves my life, at least for a moment, at least for a moment, just for a minute, I get, I get some relief until I finally couldn't. And, uh, and I'm a periodic until I'm not, I'm a binge drinker until I'm a daily drinker. 
and um, and I'm really good at stopping. I'm I'm really good at it. I hate doing it. Um, it's kind of like change. I don't like change until it's already happened and turned out the way I wanted it to. Like I I don't. I'm, I'm good at stopping until I finally wasn't. Um, and uh, um, I don't like doing it. I don't like planning it. I do it when I have to until I finally couldn't. Um, and I, but what I love, I love having had stopped. Having had stopped means I'm a cheap date again. Having had stopped means I don't have to drink as much, which means I don't have to pee as much, which means I don't have to puke as much. And uh, uh, and, and just I, it, it, it's, it costs less to get there, right? And um, my the entirety of my life can really be summed up um, by a. Uh, a sketch from, from um, Sesame Street. For those of you who aren't familiar, Sesame Street was a, was a, was a children's show that, that came on, uh, on, we used to have just um, a handful of channels uh, uh, and then, then you have to use these weird little rabbit ears things and, 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 and get the UHF channels and one of the public television channels was there and they had no commercials and, and, they, and, and this children's show had, had these puppets on it that were called Muppets because they were big and on sticks. And there was this one Muppet that I, that I really identified with this, this, this dark blue gangly bobbly headed uh, furry monster named, named Grover and he's hanging out with his burly light blue fur friend, uh, Harry. And there's this little kid Muppet and the little kid Muppet wants to know the difference between here and there. And so Grover says, well, I will stand here. My friend Harry, he will go over there. And so Harry goes, stands over there and the little kid's all, am I there? Am I there? And Harry, Grover says, no, you are here. Well, I want to be there. Well, go over to Harry then. So he goes running over to Harry. He gets to Harry and he's saying, am I there? Am I there? And Harry says, nah, kid, you're here. But I was just here. I don't know about just now, kid, but you're here now. Well, I want to be there. Well, go back over to Grover. I don't know what's wrong with this kid. So the kid goes running back over to Grover. Gets to Grover. Am I there? No, you are here. And I don't want to be here, but it's just good to see you, my friend. Well, I want to be there. Well, you can go back over to Harry. And uh, finally, you know, the, the, they're like, oh, we got to get out. The, the, Harry is all, oh, we don't have more time for this kid. We got to get out of here. And Grover says, yes, we will go and you can stay there. And the kids all, oh, I'm there. I'm there. And then his mom shows up and goes, I've been looking for you everywhere. What have you been doing here? <laughs> and just like every episode of my life run on my will, drunk or sober, and every episode of, of, a, of a little uh, Sesame Street sketch, it ends with that little wah, 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 wah. And on my own power, um, with, without, without something to get me right, I don't want to be here, I don't want it to be now. And what's really important for me to let you know is uh, right here is my favorite place to be in Alcoholics Anonymous, right here, right where I am, right where I am with you, right here. And I woke up not wanting to come because I didn't have enough sleep, but I was able to nap again. And so then I was like delighted to come. But that always changes. All I have to do is get me off of me. All I have to do in the morning is do my morning 11 step. All I have to do is ask God to divorce my thinking from self-pity, selfish, and, and, and self-seeking motives. Because, you know, I forget that I wake up married. My, my thinking is married to the self-centeredness. And so that's what I get to do in the morning. But, but anyway, I didn't know that back then when I tried to commit suicide. All I knew was that I, all I have to do is just clean up a little bit and try to, try to stay on the straight and narrow. So I'm able to graduate barely. And uh, not because of grace but because I forgot to do a, a, a requirement. Had a teacher that was looking out for me, made sure I did that first aid requirement on the day before graduation. Get into um, one of the top universities in LA. Um, takes me seven years to graduate from there. And uh, I thought I was just trying to find myself. It was alcoholism. And uh, I get into a top 25 uh, university in a, a PhD program in the Midwest. And then all of a sudden my parents are all excited. My mom is so thrilled. Well, you know, he might not be the right kind of doctor, but he might have a doctorate in like English which is weird because, you know, what, what are you going to do with that? He already speaks it better than we do. And, uh, uh, and so uh, I, I go there and um, 
and I, and I end up getting what I thought was seasonal app after disorder and graduate student writer's block. And so, uh, so, so I take the, the credits I'm able to finish and I'm, I get into the other big university in LA and I've got a free ride there. And my free ride there includes teaching freshman writing. And what I do is I fly back over here and I don't know that what I'm doing is described in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's described as taking a geographic, going one, from one place to another, because my problems are, in, are both environmental and situational, not knowing that I'm the problem and I'm taking me with me. I have no idea. And what I discover is I'm in su sunny Southern California again, and I have seasonal affective disorder, even though it's sunny most days. And I also brought the graduate student writer's block with me. And for the very first time, I'm starting to feel that sense of a double life that Wilson talks about. I'm, I'm feeling like, like a complete hypocrite. And, uh, and so I meet my wife there. We get together in uh, 92 at the, uh, at the very, on April, April 29th, 1992, the first day of the civil unrest that was then called the LA riots. And uh, we get married in 95, um, which is crazy because we're, we'll be celebrating. Um, we were, we just uh, were 31 years um, together and we'll be 28 years married at the end of this month, which is insane because I get sober in 2007. You can do the misery map. So um, apparently I'm very promising when, uh, when, when alcohol is working for me and I'm a nightmare when it's not. And uh, so I drop out, she finishes her doctorate. She's still, you know, she, she's a professor at Long Beach City College. And, uh, um, and I, I finally get my act together. I finally figure out what I wanna do. I go back to school and, and once again, but this time I, I, I'm able to hold my stuff together. I, I, I complete all the coursework. And I, I have this one, well, two final requirements, the rest of this really long paper and also this, this, uh, this pre-doctoral internship. And I find myself in the spring of 2007 having a psychotic episode in the hospital in which I work. Yeah, and, and so basically I'm in the men's room on the fifth floor of this hospital in LA and I'm doing the F word mantra. I don't know if you've ever done the F word, but it's like F, 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 F. Um, one of my former, former sponsees who's a DJ today, he said, hey, did you know that that was 160 beats per minute? Anyway, so that's the speed that I was doing it. And the reason I'm engaging in this behavior is that um, I'm, I, I'm trying really hard not to be actively psychotic. Now, if you've ever been actively psychotic, you know as well as I do that trying really hard not to doesn't work at all. And the reason I'm trying not to be actively psychotic is so I can leave that bathroom and go see my next patient who's a seven-year-old girl with generalized anxiety disorder. And you may never have provided play therapy, but you can only imagine play therapy for anxiety is really, really hard to do if the therapist is more terrified than the child, right? Because well, the, the shadows keep moving, huh, you know? So, um, so I don't go try to provide therapy. I, I don't, it's just a bad idea. Um, oh, and by the way, um, the, the chip person, um, that, what, a, what a wonderful joke. Um, the, the reason I thought it was a wonderful joke because you know, it's all about me is that, is that I am a quack under pressure. So anyway, so, um, and that's what I was at the time. And I go to my, I go to my bosses and I, and I tell them, I, I can't see that child. They're like, why? And I start telling them. I start telling them, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't sleep and I maybe sleep maybe two or three hours a night and this is maybe two or three nights a week. And I bet this has been going on for about six months. And I think I have that, 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 that uh, uh, sleep deprivation psychosis and I'm, I'm having panic attacks at work. And I have so many more like symptoms that tell them, like, you don't have to tell us anymore. Please, please, we, we will take care of all your patients. Please do not contact them. <laughs> there, there's, you know where HR is, it's right down the hall. Go there, they will connect you to help. They'll connect you to the employee assistance program. Please go get some professional assistance. They can really help you. Please get well, come back when you're better, but you might wanna bring a note. <laughs>
And for the very last time, I do that thing where I clean up on my own, well, with a little medical help on this case. And I do what psychiatrists call taking a drug holiday, going down to nothing, going down to just baseline. And generally what happens when I go down to baseline, it's usually when, when things are really bad and then things tend to get better. But then after things are better, they tend to get worse. And, uh, and I, I was always puzzled about this until I, I met uh, um, the person who had become my, my, um, my uh, most recent late, late brand sponsor, Clancy. And I loved hearing Clancy in my, in my first uh, 90 days when I heard him say that, you know, if your, problem is, if your problem is alcohol, stop drinking. Your life will get better. If your problem is drugs, stop, stop doing drugs. Your, 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 your life will get better. But if you're an alcoholic and your solution is alcohol, if you take away that solution, you better have a better one. And I, I, I didn't know that at the time. So I, I do that thing. I do that thing that I'm so good at that I, that I thought proved I'm not an alcoholic. I clean up. And I come back with a note and, um, and, and I'm thinking maybe just maybe I'll be able to finish this pre-doctoral internship. Maybe just maybe I'll be able to be able to not flame out at the tail end or at the very beginning of something really important to me. Maybe just maybe all I have to do is not drink or use. That's it. That's it. I can do that. And two things really puzzled me. One, like two, one of the reasons why I never came to Alcoholics Anonymous was I didn't think I was an alcoholic. I'm like, I've never had a DUI. I've never, I've driven drunk many a times, just never caught. I, I've never been confined against my will. I've been suicidal and homicidal many times. I just didn't tell the wrong people. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, and also because uh, I, I know enough about Alcoholics Anonymous to know that, you know, that not only um, once I take a drink, that, that the drink takes me, but I love that Wyatt read, you know, it, um, they stopped in time because I, I identify with that, you know? And, and uh, for me, uh, when, I, when I was going through the big book with my sponsor just a, um, a weeks later and we get to page 44, line four, chapter four, where it's summarizing the first half of the first step in that very first paragraph. And it says, if when, on oh, my, my second sponsor, Rachel, she did, she did with me what, what her sponsor, Mark Houston did. She was dying. So I asked her to sponsor me because she was, she was my, 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 my running buddy. She was up in Bakersfield. And, uh, and I got so scared that she was dying. And I thought, what could I do to help? And by this point I was sponsoring guys. And I thought, you know what, if I'm ever dying of, of a, and if I don't know, like her, which it's going to be the T cells that are disappearing or the AIDS, that's, sorry, the, uh, the, the cancer that's metastasizing all through my body, or if it's, or if it's going to be the little bit of liver that's going to disappear. And if I don't know what's going to, what's going to kill me, the one thing that would help me is if, if someone like Ronald said, Hey, will you be my sponsor? Will you take me through these steps? Will you help me? That would save my life. It might, maybe not literally, I might still die on that day, but I might not, I might be able to be alive while I'm dying. I might be able to focus on helping others instead of being so good that the skill that I practiced all my life of poor me, this is really bad, this is not good at all. And, and uh, instead I can focus on helping another person. And so the way she taught me to read this was the way her sponsor taught her to read it, which is every time it says you or we, to put in my name or, or I or me, because whenever I read the word you or we, I think it means you and not me. So if, if when hero honestly wants to, he finds he cannot quit entirely. Now I'm talking, to, I'm turning to my sponsor and I'm going, I, I, I quit entirely all the time. And he says, no, 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 buddy. Entirely means forever. Yeah. I, no, I can't do that. Um, or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take. And, and I said, well, I control my joy. Yeah, the natural born abuse, I, 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 I really don't want to take that. And he said, yeah, yeah. For you, uh, the question is, can you control when you lose control? Oh, you can do that. He says, no, you can't. That's the point. And I'm like, oh. Okay. Um, so if either one of those are true, you're probably alcoholic. And if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness, which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Oh. So um, that whole thing of having no power choice or control before I take a drink 
my, my, my lived experience is I chose every single drink. But once you're sitting down with a sponsor, once you're reading the big book one line at a time with them, and every time it tells you to do something, every time it tells you to pray something, you do it together, and you get to you get to the the, the tail end of uh, of the first half of the first step in, in uh, chapter three, more about alcoholism, and there's there's all these case studies about people who um, know that they can't drink, but then they really they, they find themselves without the strength to say no, because what happens is I'm just like the third case, the last case study, Fred. Not a cloud in the sky. Like I, I've got high hopes. I'm going to finish this deal. I'll be able to get a doctor, get licensed, do all that thing, have a great life. And uh, and and do I? Does that happen? Um, well, um, it's going to happen, and I'm going to start selling, celebrating it early because someone comes in and invites me to a wine tasting, and I'm thinking, oh, that's civilized. You got those little tasters, and and uh, um, and intermittent fasting wasn't a thing in 2007, but it was for me on a day that I drank, and. <laughs> And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to buy a case of wine and I'm going to sell it because uh, I'm, I'm trying to prove I'm not an alcoholic. Because alcoholics, they don't sell their wine, right? They have to drink it all. I'll, I'll buy one, one bottle, a lusty red that you could almost taste the dirty grew out of. And, uh, and, I, and it's like ready to drink now. It's perfect. And I'm not even going to open this bottle tonight. I'm going to open it in, a, in the following week. I'm going to pair it with a bacon wrap filet and grilled asparagus with a balsamic drizzle. Perfect. I'm going to actually open the bottle and let it breathe because alcoholics, they can't let their alcohol breathe, right? They have to drink it right away. I'm not even going to drink the whole bottle, I'm, I'm saying to myself, to prove that I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just going to have one glass. Now, for non-alcoholics, a bottle of wine has four glasses. For me, it has two tall glasses. But I'm going to cork it, nevertheless, because alcoholics don't cork their wine, right? And, uh, and, and, and I have this amazing dinner. And the next night I reopen that bottle. It doesn't need to breathe because it breathed before. And I just match it with another meal and it's perfect. But within 30 days, I'm completely insane. And my wife confronts me with those dead glass taxidermy eyes. You know the ones? And, uh, and, my, and, and, and But she's also like part owl or something now because she's like blink, blink, terror, blink, blink, disgust, blink, blink, contempt, blink, blink, bewilderment. Right? And, and, uh, and she's saying, who are you? What have you done with my husband? Give me, give me back that piece of card and that debit card. That, I mean, give me back all those cards. We might be done. And I, uh, I had, I, I, I panicked. I, I, I believed her. And I don't call any of you. I don't call any of the alcoholics that I know that are happy, joyous, and free, and alcoholics anonymous because they're sponsored. Our sponsor and others have a home group, have commitments in their in their meetings. Thank you. And um, I call the only person I can think of. She's been training me for the last six years. She picks up. This is Friday night at nine thirty p.m. She picks up on the third ring, and I am I'm scared and I'm crazy, and I'm on the phone going. Mary, thank God he's answered the phone. I don't trust my shrink. I, I, think, I think I need a new shrink. I think I'm bipolar. I think I need some lithium. <laughs> and she's never seen me in this state before. And so she says, the only logical thing you can ask, which is, hero, what's going on? And, uh, and I tell her, I completely surrender. And I tell her. And I tell her all the skeezy acting out I'm doing. I tell her all the crap I'm pouring into my body. Not even to get drunk or high. I'm just trying to get to okay. I can't get to okay. I cannot get to okay. My body can get drunk, but my mind won't quit talking to me and tell me what a piece of crap I am. And I've got that horrible shame. Um, shrinky types like me have studied shame. Like Brene Brown talks about that a lot where it's, it's international. Only people who don't have shame are, are like sociopaths or people who are on the on like personality disorder or, um, or people who are lower down on the autism spectrum. But all the rest of us, we've got shame. And the less we talk about it, the more it grows. The more it grows. And, uh, and and so, I, so I, I'm telling her all this stuff and, and, and I burn for 20, 25 minutes, just all the, all, just everything. I just tell her everything. At the end of that time, there's this horrifically long time in between the end of my speaking and her speaking. It's probably only a couple milliseconds, but it seems like forever. And then she says, Hero, I'm a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been sober for 22 years. Maybe you, know to, maybe you need a meeting. 
And it's like something physiological happens. There's a branch two inches below my belly button that just goes pop, and I just start sobbing, like chuka, 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 like snot pouring out the nose, full body release. Because I don't know what the hell just happened, because she's the one who taught me how to send you to Alcoholics Anonymous. She's the one who taught me to tell you things like, you might not drink right, you might need this place called AA. Uh, they know how to stay sober there. I can't help you with that. She told me to tell you, if you don't believe you're an alcoholic, don't worry about that. You can go to, she would have me hand you the LA meeting directory. We had paper directories. This is pre-COVID where, where you know, meetings were more stable than they, than they were at the time of COVID. And, and, uh, um, and go to one of these meetings with an O next to it. Those are open meetings. The ones that have C's, those are closed. Those are for alcoholics only. If you don't believe you're an alcoholic, go anyway. And, and regardless, people will probably seem freakishly happy to see you. And if you go there, go there to listen for similarities. Go there to listen, listen go there to, to try and identify, not compare. You might also, and if you hear somebody who, uh, who drank like you or more important, felt like you or most important, um, makes you believe that, you know, maybe this thing can work for you too. And they've taken all 12 steps. You can, you can uh, uh, ask them to sponsor you. And my first sponsor, he told me, you know, like men sponsor men and women sponsor women. I'm like, well, what, what if you're queer? And he says, I don't know about that. I just, just stick with that. I'm like, well, okay. And, uh, uh, and, and so, um, uh, so she, she, she would tell me, tell you, yeah, go in, you can go and ask them to sponsor you. And all that means is that they're going to take you through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous the same way that they were taken through it so that you too can do it with others. Because that's the only way that we're going to learn to serve this thing, to serve Alcoholics Anonymous, to serve other alcoholics. And there's a guy in my home group, whenever he talks, I just love it because he says, welcome to the newcomer. Welcome to being, being divinely inconvenienced for the rest of your life. When I serve me, which is my default, my life gets, gets dark and hideous. When I serve you, my life gets light. And uh, so, um, so she also told me to tell you, hey, if you go there and you don't believe in God, and if you have trouble with God, uh, don't worry about that. Even if you might hear a lot about God, it is Advanced Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a later step. <laughs> so I came in here. I got myself a sponsor the next day. And, uh, and we started going through this thing together. And my life started to transform. I'm so grateful. I need to let you know that there's no bad news in Alcoholics Anonymous. You hear all this, all this stuff in, in participation meetings and discussion meetings about how hard the fourth step is. It's not hard if you dumb down, pretend like there's only what, what you're writing right now and you just have like those horse blinders on. And I love this story that came from my second, my second lineage. Rachel's sponsor, Mark, he would, she would talk, he would talk about, uh, and, they, and they both died in 2010. He would talk about how if you ask a kid, go to clean your room, they don't want to do it. But if you ask a kid, go get everything that's broken, get all the toys that you've outgrown, get everything that there's a new version out of. And if you bring them down here in these, in these hefty bags, we'll go give them away. And, uh, and then we'll go to the store and we'll get you all new toys. That's what the fourth step is about. It's for getting rid of all my broken toys. I think and I'm all give me my toys. And I don't want my toys. I want a new life. I want a way to live and be happy. And if you if, if you're not a churchy person and if you don't like God and you hear about fellowship, 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 and I'm like, fellowship, I don't see any hobbits. I don't like church. So what is that about? And uh, all of fellowship is it's a group of people who take responsibility for each other and care for one another and nurture one another and love one another. And that's the only way, my experience, that's the only way that I'm gonna to learn to love me. You might've heard about that thing where a bunch of psychologists like me um, got to meet with the Dalai Lama a little over a decade ago and they're asking them questions, they're going back and forth. And one of them asks, what about, one of the psychologists asks, well, what about the problem of self-hatred? And my ears perk up, thank you, five minutes. And, and, and the Dalai Lama looks all puzzled. And they go into a huddle and they're all having this like Tibetan conversation, they're huddling. And finally the interpreter comes back and says, we do not believe this exists. <laughs> Puzzling statement. And, um, 
you might know in, in Tibetan Buddhism, there's a, there's this thing called Tonglen or, or Lojan meditation where um, where you, you basically it's loving kindness meditation where you start with yourself and um, and you know may you be happy, may you be well, may you be free from fear, may you be free from suffering, may you rest in the heart of compassion. And then you go to the people that you love, and you go to the people that that, that your neighborhood and the people you care about and the work with. And then you go to your your enemies, you go to the neighborhood, and you go to the you go to the state, you go to the country, you go to the to the continent, you go to the entire world until you're suddenly like doing this for everyone. And my experience is completely the other way around. My experience, you might've heard in Alcoholics Anonymous where somebody will tell you um, that uh, 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 we're gonna love you till, till you till you love yourself. And to me, my experience is that's a lie. It's, 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 not, it's a lie of omission. It misses a middle step. We're gonna love you until you learn how to love others the way you love you. And for me, that's the only way I can learn to love myself. And what happened was I started, I started doing those amends. And the first ones I did amends to were my parents and my wife. It was made really clear to me in my home group that the direct amends is just the announcement. It's just the announcement of the behavior change that started when I first raised my hand. I said, my name is Hero, I'm an alcoholic. And I hope until I take my last sober breath. And as a result of that, I, I started to, to, uh, to, to behave toward my parents the way they wanted me to. And, 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 and instead of being this horrible burden, um, and when I feel burdened, I become a burden, see? And, and instead, what I started to do was serve them the way I would serve you. And it used to really bother me new sober in my first few years. Why is it that I'm able to treat the newcomer? Why is it I'm able to treat the old timer that I don't even like better than my family? And it's because, because I believe the 12 step is written that way for a purpose, that I, I get to ha have a spiritual awakening and I get to carry the message to other alcoholics. And then I get to practice these principles in all my affairs. And as a result of that, my parents both died happy and knowing that they had a son that was safe and protected. They weren't worried about my little brother and sister. They were doing great. They adulted long before I did. And, but they knew that I was safe. And my mother loved Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, she didn't even need the program of Al-Anon, but she, you know, she would introduce herself. Hi, I'm Miko, I want to be Al-Anon. You know, and, and um, she was so adorable. And I used to think my wife needed Al-Anon. I used to even pitch from podiums like this one that, that man, if I have to work my program harder because she won't work one. And, and my, my current experience, and after about three years, my, my experience became this, that my late grand sponsor Clancy was absolutely right. The sicker I am, the sicker she and everyone else looks. It's like my sponsor says, my sponsor says, when I've got untreated alcoholism, suddenly there's a horrific proliferation in stupid people. <laughs> I'm so, so grateful that today I just get to be one among many. I'm just so, so grateful that today perhaps you have heard a message of hope, that perhaps you were able to identify with something that this strange, bald, old Asian man in a suit has told you about his own experience that, and, and, the, and the higher power that he's, he's found and come to serve in Alcoholics Anonymous. I love you. Thank you. Woo!